Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. Thank you, champs, for the continued support. I really do appreciate it. Speaking of your support, last week I had the opportunity to be a guest on the Spanglish Hour, a radio show by Franklin Rodriguez on Chin Radio Ottawa 97.9. If you guys want to listen to it, it's every Thursday at 8 p.m. It was such an amazing experience and I want to thank Franklin for having me and I especially want to thank you because without your support, that would have not happened. So thank you. I also want to say Eid al-Hadha Mubarak to all our Muslim brothers and sisters. I wish and I hope that all your du'as be fulfilled. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. I had an enlightening conversation with a Muslim sister and I really enjoyed it. As she taught me a lot about Islam, she corrected some of my misconceptions about Islam and it was just a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy it too. Let's get to the point. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is an artist and a pledging architect. A woman with a sweet smile and a beautiful soul. Everyone, please welcome Sumeya Nabiyeva. Hi, everyone. Assalamu alaikum, sister. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. It's a wonderful day. Awesome. Anyways, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for an amazing opportunity. This is truly great what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I try, you know. (laughs) I'm not curing cancer, but I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's effort. You know. Why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you or if you want anything to promote, please go ahead. Oh, sounds good. So um, you guys can find me on my Instagram handle. It's at O-H-D-A-Y-D-I-I. Um, that handle is spells O-Daida. Um, a lot of my friends think it's O-Daida because that's how it's spelled if you're supposed to pronounce it in like an American way. But um, it's an Uzbek word for O-Traveler. And that's what my mom calls me because <laughs> I love to uh, adventure and I I'm very much of a, a traveler at heart. So that's my Instagram handle. And I'm a architecture student and an artist. So a lot of my posts have to do with uh, architecture or art and also just like an Uzbek lifestyle in the U.S. So, yeah. Mm. I love your posts. I love you. I love the artwork. Like I said, she has a painting behind it. It's a beautiful painting of like... I don't know, cup with the... I think it's a pattern of cotton. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's Pachtagun, uh, which means mm. uh, cotton flower. And that's our national uh, emblem for uh, China. So, like, it has our cups or our Chinese, which is, like, the tea for plates. Um, just a lot of things. And recently, a lot of, like, Uzbek fashion um, designers have been putting it into, like fashion and clothes and like dresses um so it's like a very uzbek thing 
And the painting is of like an Uzbek table setting, mm. but made into more of like a whimsical and fantastical uh, point of view. So um, you have like flowers and birds and uh, Susanna tapestry and then like the fruit bowl, the, the tea pour right there. So, yeah. Mm. I love it. I love it. How long did it take you to paint this? So it w- I took a whole summer. So it was my summer project. Um, mm. It's a very big size. I know on Zoom, it's a lot smaller, but it's the full like, um, like window or not window, <laughs> the wall. So mm. my mom had asked me to paint something for the kitchen. Um. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it as a summer project. So um, it took a pretty long time maybe like two months but um, it's very well worth it <laughs> two months but how many minutes or hours do you does it take when you work on it like um so i'm sure a lot of artists can relate to this when you start a painting you kind of get so immersed in it that you lose track of time like hmm. it's very cliche to say but when you're really enjoying something you really do lose track of time so i would sit down like when I'm not hanging out with my friends or doing like summer stuff that I usually do and I'm home, I'll like go out um, on my deck or like under the sun somewhere. I'd like pop out all my paints and I'd like sit down and it'll be like sunshine to like sunset. And I've been sitting for a very long time painting. So yeah. Wow. Tunnel vision. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, before we get into your art and other things, let's give the, listeners some background and you mentioned that you're from uzbekistan which part of uzbekistan are you from tashkent the capital yeah so um i immigrated here in 2010 so i was only like seven um i remember it was a very good time like i love going back there and visiting my family and like uh going back to our house and where we used to live and everything i just remember um like my parents always working. Uh, my mom used to be a baker for the bazaar. So she'd be up really late or during the day, she'd be in the kitchen, like baking sweets and like goods. And then during the nighttime, she'd go to the bazaar and like she would hand off her uh, baked goods uh, to be sold there. And that's how she was earning money. And then my dad, my dad was um, an electrical engineer. Mm. So he did like... Um, like those posts with the like the electrical wires that like bring like um electricity to the capital i guess like yeah. that's what he used to do and i just remember it was a very sweet life but i know that my parents um knew of like the potential that uh we could have uh here and what they could do here so uh, alhamdulillah like now we are in the u.s for I think it's been 12 years now mm. yeah and um like a lot of people joke like we make enough money to vacation back at home now <laughs> you guys know how expensive that gets mm-hmm. so um yeah so alhamdulillah all as well but it was a sweet life there i was just a kid running around and i have like a background story um of playing with shampoo bottles um that was my college essay too because my parents Although they were making money, like we weren't wealthy enough. So I didn't have like toys to play with. Okay. So every time, I know it sounds weird, but every time like we finished a new shampoo bottle, I like run to, my mom would throw it in the trash. 
I'd run to the trash can and I'd pick it up and I'd wash it and I'd like take off the labels and I'd like make cities. Like I'd like construct like little cities with my shampoo bottles. Mm. And I imagine it's like my little own town and I'd get my sister involved too. And it was like our play, but we were outside kids. So like we were outside all the time, but that was like what I did at home. And um, yeah, I'm, that's a very fond memory of mine. Uh, especially since, being here, like I, it used to be in the back of my brain. And then last year when I went to Uzbekistan, uh, we were looking through photo albums. And then I saw myself in a little picture with all of my shampoo bottles in the no. background. And I, when I tell you I was bawling my eyes out, I was like, oh my God. Because I didn't, I really didn't truly believe myself. I thought it was a story that like I told myself mm. and I didn't really believe myself until I saw the actual picture of me playing with them and I was like man we've come a long way <laughs> started from the bottom now we're here yeah that's amazing wait did, you didn't have toys uh not really I might have had like a doll or two but mm. there it wasn't like what my little sister here now has like she has a full basement of like castles and toys and all like the little um things that you get at Target and it's like I didn't have that much. I used to play with like dirt outside. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's dude. how we grew up. And that, honestly, that's a better life, to be honest. Like use your imagination for things. All right. You said it's a better life. Is it really? So why move then? Why move then? I mean, I mean, like when you when I was living there, I know that for sure. I'm grateful for all of the experiences that I had because now I I feel humble as in I know that like I can give back to the community that's suffering there from poverty just as I have. Mm. And so I, it's a better life as in they live in very much gratefulness for what they have versus in here, we kind of overlook all of the things that we have. And so it's a better life as in when I was playing with dirt and shampoo bottles there, <laughs> I was very happy and I was very content with what I had and I was grateful um, and I am now to this day because I've had those experiences. But I know a lot of people in the U.S. might, um, because we didn't have those types of childhoods, some of us, we overlook a lot of the good things that we're blessed with. So, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's privilege. Yeah, it's definitely privilege. We forget, you know, like even I myself, I didn't even grow up here. And I've been living here in Canada for, I don't know, 20 years. And okay. And I, f I forget, I forget that, you know, I was dirt poor back then, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing with clay, like from yeah. the earth, you know, like we make, we get the earth and then we wet it. So it, that, that's our Play-Doh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a great life. <laughs> it was a great life. But, you know, once in a while, I want a Lego, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. I did want my um, princess dolls and everything. Yeah, exactly, you know, but but I understand what you're saying, like a simple life, like you don't really much need anything anyway. Right. It's up to it's up to your own discretion. Of People course. People want to do what they want to do and you benefit how you can. Exactly. You mentioned you were seven when you moved to the U.S.? Yes, I was seven. Yes, yeah, because I'm, I'm 19 now. Oh, man, you're a little girl. Yeah. Oh, Compared to me, I'm an old man, you know? 
I don't think so. I'm 40. I just turned 40, actually. Oh, congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah, actually, yeah. I am. Thank you. I was actually like grateful that I turned 40 because, you know, thinking about life now, it's just, you know, some people, they don't even make it to 40. Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm doing okay, you know. I still look like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> 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 you know. So you immigrate to U.S. Where did you go? Where did you land? Uh, we landed in Bel Air, uh, Maryland. Yeah. Why Maryland? So, because my mom, sister, her older sister, my aunt, she had came to the U.S. earlier than us and they had settled down. They had bought a house and uh, we actually moved into her house. So we lived in her basement for like, a, I think, a couple of months. And then we got our own place, like a little apartment, hmm. like 10, 15 minutes away from them. Mm, that's awesome. Typical immigrant story, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. But Alhamdulillah, like they were very, very um, like hospitable and they like provided us with everything that we needed. I like went to school there, like with my little cousin and we're like best friends now. I'm literally about to go see her tomorrow. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you moved there, you, you were seven. So growing up, obviously right now people can't see, but you're wearing, is this a hijab what you're wearing? What, what do you yeah, call it? Yeah, I'm wearing hijab, yeah. Were you wearing hijab when you were at that age, at seven? No, I I started my hijab journey actually um, a year ago in mm. November. Yeah, so like um, I was kind of late on my journey, I would say, but everyone has like their own um, like hijab journeys. And um, I definitely found like spirituality and I really, could, I found Islam by myself as in, even if you are born Muslim, I think it's very important to choose um, to be Muslim and act like a practicing Muslim on your own. Um, mm. And that's what I did during COVID. I started practicing during COVID because living in the U.S. Um, and coming from Central Asia, coming from a country that is ingrained in Islam, and a lot of its population is Muslim. You're born, I was born Muslim, alhamdulillah, and I'm blessed with that. Um, but coming to the U.S., I wanted to be like every other white girl that there was at my school, <laughs> especially since my skin is very fair. Mm -hmm. I blend it in. <laughs> so um, I'd, I went to elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, in a I live in a suburban, like, white, dominant uh, area, and they're yeah so um I definitely wanted to fit in with the crowd and I wanted to make friends and um so I did what I did and I fit into the crowd by whitewashing myself basically um like what what do you mean by that let's expand that like whitewashing yeah what did you do that'll be whitewashed like I just like I was whitewashed by the culture like it was very much like um like I changed like my the way I talk, like um, my wardrobe it was definitely like uh, short shorts, like um, summer, like type, like attire. And no way. Uh, yeah, I was I was totally like I wanted to be a 
part of the school that I was at. So I wanted to have, I didn't want to be the loner. Like I, and I'm very much of a people person as in like, I like to socialize and I like to do fun things. So um, if I was in that situation, I kind of adapted to that. Um, And uh, I was not praying and you know, like Muslims pray five times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like an obligatory thing. So I was not praying and I was not reading Quran and um, I didn't have like a great relationship with my parents either at that Mm -hmm. time because they so like wanted to keep our Uzbek heritage. They wanted to um, raise me as like a good Muslim and all that, but I was kind of like rebelling, Mm -hmm. but um, Alhamdulillah, like deep down, I always had tremendous like guilt that I wasn't being my authentic self. Like, I Mm -hmm. knew that, like, there was a part of me that was missing and that I admired, like, the the Uzbek, like, uh, community that we had here. I admired, like, the Muslim community that we had here. And I was always going to uh, Sunday school here. So I was learning, like, uh, Islamic history, um, Islamic etiquette, um, like, the Quran. So I was memorizing surahs, which are... Um, chapters of the Quran so I was memorizing uh, shorter chapters of the Quran and I was doing all that but at the end I was going to school five times a day or five times a week and so I was kind of like involved in that culture until when COVID hit we were all like uh, behind our doors in our homes and um, my mom had always known that I felt like I wasn't being my authentic self and she knew like me and my mom have a great relationship. She's, she's like my bestie, but um, she like, we had like multiple talks throughout the time. And um, she was like, so my, like, if you want, uh, you can start praying now. Like if you want, like she was like, it's totally up to you. But um, since we're home all the time now, like you have the time. And so I was like, you know what? I will. <laughs> and I remember the first time I prayed, uh, it was Maghrib time. So it was uh, sundown. And I got on the prayer mat. I made wudu, just ablution. You like wash your hands, you wash your mouth, your nose, your face, your ears, your arms, and then your feet. And okay. then. Um, Why not hair? Oh, yeah. And your hair. Thank okay. you. You like slide over your hair. Okay. Um, and then I got on the prayer mat. And I was, I was praying and then tears just started falling down my face. And I was like, oh my God. And it was like, I still like miss that feeling of like, Mm. I made it. I was like, I am here. I am talking to you and I have so much to say. And I was praying and I was just bawling and I was praying in my room. So nobody knew that I was praying. I wanted to, I wanted that privacy um and ever since then I I just haven't looked back I was like I am doing this five times a day it's my peace it's my tranquility I need it and a lot of people like meditate it's kind of like meditation you kind of like rip yourself from the current moment and you give yourself some silence some time to talk to God and um it gives me that like peace of mind and so, yeah, and that's that's what happened. And at that time, mind you, I wasn't wearing hijab yet. Um, so I was building up. I was 
praying five times a day or trying to. Um, and I slowly built up from there. Slowly, um, I was like talking to my friends about it. And they're like, wow, like, I'm so proud of you. I know you wanted this for a long time. Like, I'm so proud of you. And then one day I went out shopping with a friend and I didn't know that I was going to put on the hijab like right after I went shopping. <laughs> it was a total like spontaneous, like, I'm just going to do it. So mm-hmm. that morning I went out of the house as a non-hijabi wearing whatever I was wearing, hair out, everything. And then I came home and I was trying on some clothes that I had just bought. And I was like, what, what, I wonder what hijab color I would, would match with this. And then I went in my mom's closet. I grabbed a hijab. It was a simple black one. And then I put it on and I was like, I look great. I'm just <laughs> going to go in. I'm just going to go in. I want to do this. I've been wanting this for a long time. There's no reason for me to wait. So um, I went and like I just wrapped it. And then I got my camera, like my phone. And I, I took a camera and I walked downstairs where my sisters were and my mom. And she was like, she was like, are you going to hijab? And I was like, yeah. And then she, she started crying. She was so mm. happy. And like my sisters were so happy. And we like did like a little huddle of like hugs and everything. Mm. And my little sister actually, she had gone into hijab like a year prior to me. And then my littlest sister, who is now nine, she had gone into hijab too. And I was the last one. And then now like it's my mom, my me, my younger, two, my both of my younger sister's girl in hijab and it's been beautiful since then <laughs> alhamdulillah alhamdulillah yeah it's oh, amazing man i was actually gonna ask if your if your sister wears him yeah but your but um, what amazing for me is like your parents never really force you because you know the idea of like muslim people muslim parents are very controlling like hey you have to wear the hijab you have to wear the hijab i love that your parents didn't force you to do it oh yeah no i know that's like a very common thing i guess like on social media or Mm -hmm. the news um it's not like that at all i know that i can see the perspective of some parents being quote-unquote controlling as in like they're too strict like they don't want their kids to like be out late or they want their daughter to dress modestly or even wear the hijab Mm. and in some cases they they do force a lot of like young women to wear hijab when they don't want to but um i think their intention might be that they know that it's good for them and they want to protect them and like show them like like the the goodness of it but it's not carried out in a way that is gentle and gives space for the actual individual to make that decision for themselves Mm -hmm. um alhamdulillah my parents were always this like the sweet well i don't know like a sweet talker like they were always like um very kind and very like my dad would give us like little like gestures and he would do little gestures and he'll be like Man, you look so beautiful in that when like uh we pray and like I have like my whole like prayer dress on you like you look so beautiful in that and my mom would do the same thing and they'd give us like little Islamic lessons and like um people that uh were in our history that um did so much for us to be practicing now mm-hmm. and so I looked up to the role models like in Islam like my name Sumaya comes from the first martyr of Islam which was a woman who uh, died for the cause. Like 
uh, she was being tortured by, um, I don't know what faith they were, but she was being tortured and they were um, like, they had her tied down on the ground and they were saying, uh, forego like your Lord and like follow ours instead. And she was like, no. <laughs> and she kept saying no until uh, she died. And she was the first uh, martyr of Islam. And I think that's beautiful because I'm a total woman's activist mm. as in, I really believe in like educating women on our rights and Islam came to the world to give women rights. Like you can even look this up on Google, like the first religion to give like women rights was Islam. So mm. I was, I was totally like before I did my research or before I like chose Islam for myself, I did a ton of research and I came across like, uh, so my story and I was like, this is amazing. I, <laughs> I want to do this. I was like, this is great. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah. So as you inside you, you found peace, obviously through Islam, but outside living in America, wearing a hijab, you know how it is there. How mm -hmm. was it? How, did you notice difference to what people towards you, how they react, how they treat you? Um, yes. So before, like I said, um, I blended in with the crowd hmm. and now I'm like a sore thumb. So <laughs> I get a lot of looks and to be honest, I like my, like I have a very positive like mindset. And so I always just think, you know, they, they're just checking out my fit. Like they, they like my fit. That's all. I mean, it's and, beautiful. Yeah, some people like actually do come up to me like it's it's the best when like you're just out and about and then some like person like pulls you aside they're like you look so beautiful and I was like thank you you too or stuff like that but if it's like creepy like old men like and they're like giving me that like like stare yeah. I just like I just smile like I don't really care I don't care what you think at all mm. please like I don't care but. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, like, I, my personal, like, story is a lot easier than a lot of hijabis out there. So I know a lot of people, like, uh, my close friend, uh, she went to high school and some boys, um, they were white. Uh, some, surprise, surprise. Right, right. <laughs> uh, they, she was walking down the stairs and they, like, pulled her to, to the stairwell and ripped her hijab off her head. Oh my god! And this is in my town. If I were there, I would have squared up right away. Easy. <laughs> no, that's terrible. And I know that they didn't get the um, like the what's it called, the punishment that they should have. Like I know they went to the office, but the office always says like, "Oh, we can't really do anything." Yeah. Come on, really? that's assault. Like, what are you talking about? You can get sued that's for hate that crime. That is hate crime too. Like, and I know that's like, like horrifying for a young uh, woman, uh, especially like in somewhere they're supposed to feel safe in school. So yeah, I, I know that, but for me, it's been positive. I know, especially in the city where I go to school in Philly, um, I get a lot of respect in the streets. Like it's definitely like, I know like the Muslim population in Philly is uh, very prominent and it's in the black community hmm. and so a lot of like brothers out there um they they like give me the room and they gave me the space and they give me the respect on the street so it's like 
especially in school as well. Like all my professors respect me and like all my friends respect me and my guy friends, like everything. So I feel like hijab brings a lot of respect to a woman because we're not judged by our, um, like, uh, our body or our beauty. It's more of like what we're saying and our actions, which bring out a person's, uh, true intentions and their true like character, I would say. So yeah, it's been positive for me. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's here in the Quebec, it's illegal to wear hijab if you're working for the government. Really? Yeah, it's illegal. Yeah. Well, when they passed the law, they said, like, it's, a, any, it's any religion, but let's not fool around. It's really for the hijab. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, because even, like, head headwear is very prominent in all religions like uh like nuns or uh, even the jews who wear a wig instead of their actual hair like and then um just like head wraps for a different sects of uh christianity as well like they wear like a turban or like a like a head uh scarf or something like that but it's like a different like fashion than uh muslim women so it's very prominent, but I don't know why they have such a big problem with us. Like, it's it's crazy. Well, you know, it's first of all, it's prejudice and racism and ignorance, you know, be, being right. saying, oh, uh, they, they're wearing a hijab, they're terrorists. Right. That's, That's man. <laughs> they, you know, unfortunately. What's the significance of hijab? Like, why does women wear it? Like, for religion? Well, I don't understand. Can you explain? Yeah, it's for, it's for, like, Islam, the religion. It's not for culture. I know a lot of, like, Muslim uh, prominent countries that have, like, the hijab as a part of their culture in, like, different ways, like, different types of, like, headscarves or headpieces or headwear. But the hijab came with Islam, like, the religion. So, um, so hijab is like a mandatory, like obligatory for women to, for modesty. And it goes same way for men as well, but they don't have like the hijab. It's um, different like uh, regulations, like um, preserving like uh, your haya, which is your modesty, like mm. uh, preserving your beauty. And um, for women, that's all of us because we're beautiful. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, but you are. Some women, they're not so good. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I think everyone is beautiful in their own way. But sure. for men, it's a different, uh, like, dress. So uh, it has to cover, um, like, certain areas. And for women, it's your hair and your body. Um, and in some, like, uh, schools of thought, uh, mm. there's, like, little variations. But it's all, like, the same. Mm-hmm. And it's to preserve your haya and your modesty. Okay. And okay. there's a lot of benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you're wearing right now, you have the hijab and then you have that white thing that's called, I'm sorry, I don't know the term. No, Correct it's okay. if I'm wrong. So it's covering your actual hair, right? What is that thing? What do you, what do you call it? So this is just like modern hijab, I guess. So like this is my head cap. And it like, I just like put it on and it's, it has a tie on the back. And then this is a chiffon hijab. So I just wrap it around and pin it on two sides over here to my okay. head cap. 
So it's like secure and it feels comfortable. Okay. Because I remember when I used to work with this lady, she was a Muslim. She's from Morocco. And so I was working in a, in a restaurant. And she went in the back where we, we, do, we, we put other stuff. I don't know what it was. It's in the kitchen. And me, you know, being me, just walking around, and I went to the, in the back, just, I, I was going to grab something. And she started, I didn't see she was there. So when I saw her fixing her hijab, and she started panicking. She's like, ah, she's screaming. And I felt so bad because, you know, I know it's significant for her, but I didn't mean it, you know? So anyways, yeah. I move away. I let her do her thing. And then she kept on telling me, you're bad, Aaron, you're bad. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I, you know, I passed by. I didn't know. I, I wasn't even looking at you. I just, I passed by. I saw you. That's it. It doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry if I offend you somehow. And then she kept on saying, like, no one has ever seen my hair except for my husband. I'm like, okay, I, I understand. But I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to see your hair yeah. or whatever, how I offend you. So can you explain why it was a big deal for her about the, the hair, seeing the hair? Um, I think because, you know, she's a hijabi and you unintentionally invaded her privacy when she was fixing her hijab. So hmm. I I wouldn't freak out like that. I would definitely just close the door. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's if if she's been in hijab since she's young. And she preserved her like modesty up until her marriage with her husband. And only her husband saw like her hair, like um, that's like something private, something intimate for them. Mm -hmm. And I guess you seeing her hair unintentionally uh, like broke that privacy that she's previously had and that sentiment, I guess. So okay. that's probably why she reacted the way that she did. But it's not something to like, uh, like hold a grudge on or like, um, like ponder over that much it's just um, if if you do like walk into someone like while they're like having their private time I, I'm sure that you would also like react in a, like a not so positive way hmm. um, so that's probably why okay makes sense yeah uh, first of all there was no door she was actually just went on like behind the boxes kind of deal Oh yeah. To fix yeah. her hair, like to fix her hijab, I'm like okay. That's cool. okay. We we have those emergencies sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, but she's like panicking. Like I saw her naked. You know, what I'm mean? like, I don't mean yeah. to. It's I mean, not it like might I followed as well you. Be. <laughs> like I, it's just privacy at that like point. Mm, okay, so what do you think the hijab is giving you before you start wearing it? Like I said, I think it just brings a lot of respect um, my way, and I'm treated I'm treated a lot more maturely than uh, people who are at my age are. I guess um, I don't know. It just cuts to the chase. Like it's not really like um, I'm just treated a lot more maturely and very like respectfully by mm -hmm. people who are younger than me, older than me. Um, and it brings it it shows physically that this is a woman of faith she this is someone that you don't mess with in that type of way like in any way really because we walk with like empowerment we know that this like we're doing this for god like it's for our lord like 
if this wasn't an obligation or if this wasn't something to please um, God, like in worship, it is a form of worship because a lot of people, if this wasn't um, like obligatory or if this wasn't a form of worship, I guarantee you none of us would be wearing hijab. None of us. Because it's a hard, hard journey. Sometimes mm. like you don't want to. Sometimes it's like, maybe maybe I could just go out like this, but you know in your heart that this is for my Lord. Like this is to please him and him alone. And this is a form of worship. And mm. we get rewarded immensely for that. Like in the in the, the Quran and the teachings, it said, um, like even a prick of like a pin onto your skin is like rewarded. So every hardship that you go through is rewarded like tremendously. So it's like, you know that it's for my benefit and it's for like my benefit in this world and the next. So mm. it's like a win-win situation. Like why not be a part of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned that uh, you get benefits or rewarded in this world and to the next me being a christian what happened pretty much the same idea you know be good then you go to heaven right you live with with, you live with the lord happiness and everything in islam when you go to what do you guys call it like heaven is heaven too yeah like the arabic word for it is jannah which Hmm. translates to paradise okay when you go to when you get to paradise what does it what does it say to you like what do you like like i'll give you an example in catholic is you become this orb of energy and you just feel happiness that's it there's no image no nothing okay um so okay so like janna is beyond our like capacity of thinking so it's only something that is prepared for the believers so and Allah is the most merciful so and to clarify I know a lot of people um, that are outside of Islam like when they hear like Allah that is not a separate deity it's not like a separate like it's not like the Buddha that's like something different you know what I mean it's Allah is the translation for the English word God it's just in Arabic So it's like God, and there's only one. We don't believe in any um, affiliations with him. So he has no, like, son, no daughter, like, no association, no Holy Spirit, nothing like that. It's like one Hmm. deity. Hmm. Um, And he has 99 names, as in, like, his attributes. So Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, Um, like, the turner of hearts or, um, like, the control of the day of judgment or like like attributes to him but it's not like separate like deities it's it's just one so um for paradise like what's promised is paradise like what what you would want in paradise is what you would get and even more so um i'm very like early in my Islamic studies like i can't really like say exactly forward like this is what is promised um but a lot of like islamic scholars do like have like full like uh, lectures about like what is promised in paradise and in jannah and the most beautiful thing about the quran our holy book is that it's never been changed so from 
revelation to uh, writing um, and the compilation of the Quran, um, it's never been changed, not even a word. So like with each person who writes it, they don't get to make a little adjustment. Like in paradise, like you'll be flying very beautiful birds or something like that. Like, it's not like, it's not changed. Like, uh, for example, like the Bible has, because every Bible has like their own edition or like their own like compiler or like their, and they have like their like slight variations in each of the translations or, um, not even the translations, like the actual like the articles. actual book. It's the, and yeah. there are missing books. Yeah, and it's it's not like that. Like Allah promised, that's His promise to us, is that the Quran will never ever be changed and it'll be preserved. Mm. So, from like when it was revealed to now, it's the same. And we have like Hafiz, which are people who memorize the full Quran, like in like by memorization. So you can like imagine like a book like this thick mm-hmm. and all of it word by word. And it's double, triple, quadruple checked by scholars and um, like their teachers and stuff so that it there's no like way that it can be changed. Mm-hmm. And that's the promise. So there's no way that anyone can because that's the promise of Allah and Allah is the one who okay, wills. So, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, makes and, sense, makes sense. Yeah, and it's not like, one of the most beautiful things about the Quran is that, like, uh, it's not like the prophets who, uh, the prophet, like Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or the uh, prophets before, like, it's it's not their will, like, it's not like what they want for people. It's what Allah wants through them, as in, like, they're the messengers. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Jesus, which is in the Bible, he's a prophet for us. He's mm. very beloved for us, and. Um, we believe as Muslims, uh, the Torah and the Bible and the Quran are all revealed through Allah as in God, but through human development and human uh, arrogance and um, pride and um, all the like things that we have as humans, uh, people didn't want to follow the next prophet as it said in the Torah and the Bible. So when the next prophet came, like, for um, the Jews that are today or the Christians that are today, um, people didn't want to follow the next prophet. So therefore, like, they had their own, like, section. Mm, Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, just recently, uh, I think two weeks ago or a week ago, I went to my Quran class, um, like, restarting my um, Quran memorization and when I walked in, a lady who was like in her 40s was sitting there. And I was like, okay. Uh, I was like, assalamu alaikum. And she was like, assalamu alaikum. And I was like, okay, you're new. <laughs> 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 like, you're new. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like, are you a new uh, convert? And she was like, yeah, I'm a new Muslim. Like, I took my shahada, which is like my oath, um, like a week ago. And so I wanted to uh, like learn. And I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, I'm like in my beginner phase too. So we can learn together. That's and awesome. I always like to ask. Yeah, I always, I always love to ask converts what their stories are. And um, I've never met one like personally that's as uh, like well into her life as she was. And she was like, yeah, like I grew up Catholic. My parents uh, r- rose me like Catholic. And um, I 
I was a very devout Christian and I was reading the scripture and I became Muslim because the scripture tells us that there is another prophet and um, like it continues. And that, therefore that led me into research of Islam and um, all of like, uh, she talked to like scholars and like, just like different things. And uh, she, she felt in her right that she was doing something that was written in her Bible. And so she became Muslim. And I was like, if everyone could understand how simple that is, that would be great. That's <laughs> like, beautiful. As in, yeah, but like that's 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 how um, she became Muslim. But everyone has their own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had gone through like a really rough life as well. Like, um, so it wasn't like an easy path uh for her but um alhamdulillah we have a new muslim now so that's awesome that's great. so i do have a quran actually you do yeah, awesome. yeah. i've been i've waited for years to have one because i always wanted one back in college but you know life happens and then i became i had a friend he was a muslim or he is a muslim and i bug this guy every day i say yo what's my quran bro what's my quran man and obviously, it's not in Arabic because I I don't read. It's a Arabic. translation. It's a translation side by side, you know. Yeah, I still have it, but like I don't know how to start to read. You know, like right. Like uh, is is there like a way to read it? Like should I do something? No. I don't want you know what I mean, or should I just yeah, read no. it? So like if you have like the full Arabic version of the Quran, like where you flip the pages and it's only Arabic, that means you have like a like a Quran, like the one that you have is Arabic and English, right? Yeah. So like that's like transla- translation with the Arabic. Hmm. Um like if you had a real Quran, you would need to make ablution before you touch it. So, because, like, the Quran is, like, holy, like, it's God's word. So, just as you pray, you would make uh, ablution. But because you have the translation as well, um, like, you don't have to. But that's, like, that's up to, like, uh, there's some, like, wishy-washy, like, um, what's it called? Jurisdiction on that. Some people say, like, oh, you do because it's still God's word. But some people say, like, oh, because it's not holy, like, uh, Arabic and there's more English than there is of Arabic then you don't need to but it's up to your discretion but I would say um, just open it up honestly just open it up and start reading and mm. see like what it's what it's like but even before you do that I would go into YouTube and I would watch at least like a very like uh, just like a very simple lecture and I would say like or like new people who just want to know what Islam is about to know your sources and to know whether it's credible or not. Because with the modern age, anyone can go into the internet and type anything and say like, this is this, and you have to believe it because it's on this website. Hmm. But that's not like, that's not true because people can make up stuff to make people look bad. So um, I would know your sources with anything like we're taught that in like middle school we're making like research papers about pandas like you got to know your sources oh for sure for sure Uh, question so you know how people perceive that you know islam is not really for women but obviously you're saying that's not true 
So if someone goes up to you and say, hey, Islam doesn't have room for feminism, what would you tell them? I would tell them that Islam was gifted to this world to give women rights. Because before Islam, like in uh, Catholicism or like the very, um, what is that time period where it was like, very dark for women like it was just very dark like we did not have you mean birth. every year <laughs> yeah actually yeah but it was it was just before we were given like islam gives women the right to um own property to vote to um like and when you are married uh a woman gets a dowry like mm. a woman gets a dowry that is promised from the the spouse and um, it's written in the contract. Like we have contracts of what the woman wants in their marriage. A woman has like the right to divorce, which wasn't like prominent before Islam. Like women didn't have these rights. Um, so in Islam, there's divorce? Right. Yes, of course. There's, there's, okay. yeah, there's divorce. Um, and that is through like Sharia law. Like there's a woman has the right to divorce for um, any reason that she might need a divorce. It's just, like, divorce, obviously, nobody wants a divorce. Like, when you want to get married, no one wants to break up. You know mm. what I mean? So, divorce is obviously the last option. Um, first, you try, like, mending. You have, like, um, therapy and, like, all that stuff. But, yes, women do have the right to divorce. Mm, okay. Um, How about that... I've heard that Muslim men can marry multiple women. Is this true? Yeah, that is true. Um, that is true because our like the Prophet Muhammad sallam, he like God gave him the gave like men in Islam to marry multiple women. Um, and that is with uh, like, you know how like products say restrictions apply? Like, it's kind of like that, as in, it's with circumstance. There's laws in that. As in, a man can marry another woman if he can provide for the both families equally in social, emotional, mental, financial, um, like, uh, like, field. So, like, a man cannot marry another woman or three because you're only not allowed to have four. If you... Oh, you're allowed four. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the you reason you better choose the, well then, eh? Because you only have four well, chances. You would, ha- you would have to be filthy rich to provide <laughs> for all of them the equal amount, and also you have you like you would be punished for giving one wife over the other more favoritism or mm. more financial aid or um, like other benefits than the other wife. It has to be all equal. And the reason that the, this is permissible is because um, we know in this world there's a lot of widows. And we know that there's a lot of women that need financial aid because they were kicked out of their homes or um, like not given the opportunities that uh, a lot of women do have, right? And so when this like revelation was given, uh, the prophet took on took on, uh, married another woman because she was a widow and mm. she didn't have anyone in this world to care for her anymore, like okay. a brother or 
father or anything like that. So it is permissible to marry another woman if you can provide for them. Okay, okay. And so it's it's like, I know like in the mass media, it looks like polygamy looks like it's very um, like dirty to have mm. like multiple wives when like a girl can have multiple husbands. That's not like that. Like there's restrictions and there's uh, laws that like prohibit certain acts if you can't provide for multiple women or wives in the same like mental capacity, emotional capacity, financial capacity, then you're not allowed to have another one. Like, <laughs> you, you get one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love and this. I love this. Well. Well, but can women marry different men? No. We Why can't. not? Because that's not allowed. Like, it's not. It's, I know, but why is it not allowed? You know, equality, you know what I mean? Equality, yes, that's true. Equality is true. But there's different um, rules that women and men take on in the society. Like, especially since um, you have kids, you have, like, um, like a job if you choose to work and, like, all that stuff. Like, there doesn't need to be more pressure for women in this world than there already is because we're we are the source. Like, we have, <laughs> like, without us, men wouldn't survive. And that's why men were, or women Excuse were Excuse me. You are correct, though. No. <laughs> it is. It's true. Like, God said it. Like, it's, it's, it's not for me. But, um, and plus, like, I know a lot of, like, people, um, when they find the one, you stick to the one. You know what I mean? Of like, course, yeah. We don't have the I'm just being silly. love multiple. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This one, I'm going to ask you. You don't have to answer it. In Islam, is there homosexuality? No. Why? Why? Because, okay, actually, so on that uh, fact, um, like Allah says in the Quran, like, it is human nature. It is in our nature to have feelings for the same sex. It is true. But it is forbidden to be in a relationship with the same sex in a romantic way. Mm. And you are rewarded for um, like going like, I don't want to say like uh, fighting these emotions, but um it is in our nature, and we are created in that way, and that is also a test. Um, no way. Yeah. Wow. It is, yeah. And I know, like, it's it's crazy. And it's, like, one of the signs of the Day of Judgment that's written in the Quran is that, like, Muslims that say that they're Muslim or, like, uh, believe in Islam, they will start to deter from, like, the actual scripture, and they'll start to take their own interpretations and their own, like, um ideas and they'll like go to pride and they'll like have like these mosques where um like that's allowed and stuff like that but that's that's not in the scripture at all and even though Allah is the most merciful like he can forgive anything even if you are um gay but it's like not it's prohibited in Islam Hmm. and we we never like retaliate or like give dirty looks or like do anything like that to um people but we know that in our hearts like okay that's not allowed for us but Mm. do you have gay friends 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, yeah. And what but, do they say to, towards you about, you know, your faith and not it's having... It's kind of like an understanding. Like, it's like, okay, like, I'm where I am. and You're where you are. We respect each other and we move on. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not going to tell them what they, like, like can feel because i know that in my religion it's a natural feeling Hmm. it's just when you act on it that's where it's a sin because it's prohibited and so i know it's like it's a part of our duty to educate and then after you educate you leave it to the person because it's their like uh decision they have i love it like like your parents yeah like like in Islam, we're taught that every person has a free will, and that's what makes us human. Hmm. Um, and that's why why we are rewarded, not like other uh, species. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. uh, we believe that like angels, um, they have no free will. As in, they worship God alone, and they have no other like affiliations or anything, and they have no free will to like to do other than that. And same goes for animals. Like animals, plant life, like everything, like everything that's created in the earth worships God. But like humans, we have free will. And that's why we are rewarded. Like that's why we get paradise. And that's why we get um, like punishment or uh, reward. Yeah, it's all on free will. So mm. it's in our nature that you can have those feelings. And that's, that's okay because that's. Allah said that it's okay to have those feelings, but to act on it is where um, there's a prohibition. Hmm. But they're not going to Jannah. We never know because Allah is the most merciful and it's up to his discretion, not us. Okay. It's not my like uh, point of authority where I can say whether or not someone is going to go to paradise because of a certain act. Because even if you're the worst person, and then you repent, Allah is the most merciful. I, there's no, like, I have no power over um, who and who does not get to go to paradise. You're amazing. That's where, yeah, that's where people go wrong because they'll go into, like, people's comment sections and, like, like you're going to hell. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, you can't say that. You can't because it's not your place. Mm. Like, it's your place to educate. But education is different than um, slander. Like, it's, like, different than, like, um, Judging. soft-spoken. It's, like, it's scholarly. It's, like, academic. Like, you you give education through action and good action and good word, not through um, you're going to hell. Because, like, we don't <laughs> know. Because you could go to hell for saying that. You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There, you don't know which act will be pleasing to Allah, to God, for you to enter paradise. Because we know, like, uh, one of the most common stories is of a prostitute. And this was during the Prophet's time or after the Prophet's time. But it's of a prostitute who is doing um, prostitution. And she sees a very thirsty dog on the street. Mm. And she takes off her shoe and she pours water in it. Um, from like a well or something like that. And she puts it for the dog and he drinks the water. And that was the act that she is guaranteed Jannah, paradise. And 
that shows the mercy of Allah because she's in prostitution. She's doing like what's prohibited. But because of her good heart and her good action that she did with the pure intent, Allah like accepted that from her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we don't know which act we are gonna like be rewarded or punished for. Because there's also the story of um, like this woman who was very, very pious and she only sat at home and she only read the Quran. She only read the Hadith. She was like gathering all this knowledge and stuff, but she never shared it to anyone. Like as in she never like educated or never like um, uh, pulled people towards Islam. And she like, and that was out of her own like, arrogance or her own pride or something like that. And uh, that's displeasing. So, you know, but there are different like stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, it's not our authority or our place to tell people whether or not they're going to paradise or hell for a certain action that they do. Because at the end of the day, Allah is the most merciful. And if you have the true, uh, what's it called? like repentance with repentance is where you succeed so um that's why we pray that's why we do these acts of worship it's to repent for the things that we are doing like i know in uh like a lot of christians believe that uh jesus died for for sins but it's um it's kind of like finger pointing when uh, growing catholic is hard yeah, I don't know. Like, Because it has that. It has like, you're never going to be good enough. Jesus died for you, so you'll never be good enough. Yeah, it, that doesn't make sense because uh, personally and like from our perspective, you can't really pick someone out of a room and say like, uh, because you're the prophet, you're going to die for our sins and we're going to live this life free of sin because you took our sin. Mm-hmm. Like you're held accountable for your own actions. It's not your family. It's not like your community. It's not like your title. It's you as an individual. What you do with your intentions is what you get. Uh, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another beauty is that like you're held for your own actions. Like accountable. It's accountability. It's discipline. It's modesty. It's good etiquette. Good manners. Like um, you have to be like you have to be like open-minded and you have to understand people's like backgrounds and their own um, places that they come from the world and try to benefit them as much as you can. And we know that like this life is a test for us. So you try to pass its flying colors. It's mm. the main motive basically. Mm. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I love this conversation by the way. Yeah, me too. I love like, I don't know. Like, I think it's very um, eye-opening when you hear it from someone who's actually like a practicing Muslim and society versus someone on Channel Four or Channel Nine. Like, oh my God! Like, you're not allowed to wear that headscarf because it intimidates us. Like, that's that's wild. You know what I mean? I know it's, it's just silliness. I'm I'm never like, what 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 are they doing? What are they doing? Because like I said, I grew up Catholic, and there's a lot of like. Islamophobia in the Philippines. We're mm. very divided and like and I always remember in my town that there are some Muslim people 
And I always want to go to them and say, yo, what are you guys doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> tell me what's up, you know, what's, what's good on, the, on that side. And I was never allowed because, you know, they always say like, oh, they're bad people. Oh, they're this or they're that. I'm like, they're not doing anything. Most of them has businesses, you know? Yeah, like it's, it's crazy. I know like uh, when, when I was little, um, I had uh, neighbors. Um, they're black and they're like so one of my favorite like people on this earth. Like they were just so like that killed the racism and that discrimination between um two families because when you're coming from central asia you're coming from a place where there's barely any like uh black or uh like darker skin tones like there's no like so people like have developed like racist um like ideologies even though that's forbidden in islam it's just ingrained in like the culture there now like it's weird mm. but racism is forbidden in islam but i want to say the story because it's very like near and dear to my heart mm. is um so uh he was a principal um there i don't remember what country they're from but they had come here and he became like a principal and he had two daughters and they were friends me and my sister and every time we would go over like they knew that my family was muslim and this was before my mom was even wearing hijab or anything, but they knew that we were from Uzbekistan, like we're Muslim, like we're, we're semi-practicing, whatever. And uh, he, he told us, like, he made a joke and he was like, um, I don't know why, like, like Americans are just like in the news, like they have so many, like so much problem with Muslims or like the safety or like the, um, the threat or that they're in uh, when you would feel more comfortable with a Muslim neighbor than with any other neighbor because of how like uh, we are taught to not like uh, we, we are taught with etiquette and we're, we know that like there's a certain way of treating people. And a lot of people who aren't taught that way think that they can do anything with the freedom that they have. Mm. So he was like, and um, he comes from like, he's just so funny. Like the way that he said the joke, just was so funny and he was like you know like why would you like get scared of like a muslim like neighbor like i would feel more safe with a muslim neighbor than with any type of neighbor even if they were like white or black or hispanic or anything like i would be more like comfortable with my kids going to go over their house or like us being neighbors and um because i know like they're not going to do anything you know what i mean they're not they're they fear god like they don't like they don't mess around like that so and that differs with, um, like, individuals. Because I know there's, like, obviously we're, we're human. We, we make mistakes. And um, we have all these, like, negative, like, aspects to us. Mm. And I know a lot of people have, like, gone wrong. And they've chosen the wrong path in the name of Islam. Like, uh, like the terrorist attacks and all that. Mm. And um, even, like, individuals that are in America or, like, all around the world that made an action that was publicized so like uh big for all of the world to think that and develop Islamophobia um because the name like Islam slapped on like the story mm. uh when it, it's never slapped on a white dude that's Christian they don't they don't do that they're like oh like this man he just shot up a school but don't worry he's gonna get some mental treatment but if like uh, a black guy sh- like 
uh, open fire on a street. They they like slap the title that he's black and that he's going to go to prison. Or uh, if they're Muslim and they like commit the same act, they're like, oh my God, guys, watch out for these Muslims because they're dangerous. Like it's <laughs> wild how they do this on the like social media. It's totally wild. And um, I totally stand with like POC people. Like we need to stand together because I don't know, like the media has twisted our story. They have twisted our, um, and it's been like publicized really big to create this emotion and the uh, larger um, population that uh, these like ethnic groups and these like uh, nationalities and these races are uh, more demonized than white people are, which is crazy. And I mean, I have a lot of white friends too like they're great but they know that like they have white privilege that's a thing Mm -hmm. and it's like it's different than people who are come from like different nationalities like from the philippines or from uzbekistan or someone from uh afghanistan or iran like it's completely different Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's (laughs) important that they know that there's a privilege and it most important is they use that privilege to help others to have right? privileges. Because yeah. knowing is cool. But if you don't do anything about the privilege, yo, you're a problem too, dude. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think we got it all. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I talked a lot. Like, I hope, I hope that was good. <laughs> That's why you're on. That's why you have to talk. Right? Yeah. Anyways, before we close out, do you have any last remark? Um... I hope everyone takes like my words uh, without like judgment. Cause I know that like this might b- become news to you cause you've never like heard this cause you've been so like uh, adjusted to uh, Western media or even like uh, horror stories that you read on like the internet. But um, Islam is a religion of peace and um, you should definitely check it out with the right sources. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wish everyone the best in all their endeavors um, and make dua for me too, for all mine. For sure, for sure. Have a good evening, sister. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for doing this. It's really great. For sure. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Sumeya, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.